and welcome to the second of our panel discussions today for EG's Vision for the Arc event, where we are debating the future of the Oxford Cambridge Arc. I'm Tim Burke, EG's deputy editor, and in this session, we'll explore how to drive growth in the center of the Arc. How can Milton Keynes and other towns ensure that they are mentioned alongside Oxford and Cambridge and make their own contributions to driving regional prosperity and sustainable growth? To tackle that, I am delighted to be joined by four guests. Alberto Martin, Chief Executive of London Luton Airport. Rachel Dickey, Executive Director for Investment at Grosvenor. Peter Horrocks, Chair of the South East Midlands Local Enterprise Partnership. And Gareth Jacob, Managing Director at Countryside. Thank you all for joining EG today. Okay. Thank you. I guess that when we talk about the art, we do automatically define it through through those endpoints, um, Oxford to Cambridge. And while there's a logic to that, um, Peter, uh, to start with you, is, is there sometimes a risk that the opportunity elsewhere in the centre of the arc is perhaps not overlooked, but maybe paid less attention than than what we see in those, those endpoints? Well, if you think about what an arc is, uh, it's the curve between the two points, and the curve is the bigger part of the arc than the than, than the endpoints. Uh, but of course, Oxford and Cambridge are, are globally famous, and they're they're fantastic rep, have fantastic reputations. But the area between Oxford and Cambridge is already successful. So it's about how can it potentially be more successful. So by having a concept for the Oxford Cambridge arc, a clear vision that links increased economic productivity with high environmental standards, that can make a really attractive offer both for the residents of the area, but also for businesses that want to invest. What are the what are the biggest challenges that, that we see the region facing in attracting attracting businesses and attracting investment? What are the um, what are the potential stumbling blocks that a new framework, a new vision for the region should be looking to overcome? Well, it's already a, a pretty productive area and productivity is, is growing. The Milton Keynes economy is absolutely at the, at the, at the heart of that, but there are other important centres as well. Uh, but the attractiveness of the countryside, the, the uh, connectivity both to London, to the Midlands and the improved connectivity uh, east, east-west. Uh, so those are already attractive things. But the area as a whole isn't that well known. So I think giving it greater identity, using the concept of the arc or, or possibly the green arc to emphasise those environmental credentials can give it greater coherence and also the political coherence. It's it's a number of different counties, a number of different population centres that haven't traditionally been thought of mm-hmm. as, as an entity. Uh, and that's going to take some time to, to build. But I think if the concept is sufficiently attractive uh, and business and local people are enthused by that, then I think that can create a real multiplier effect. Rachel, what's your perspective from the work that Grosvenor has been doing? I, I guess a lot of the points Peter makes there, it, it comes to showing the benefits, the opportunities that are already in the region, but perhaps just aren't as well known as they could be. Some of that presumably comes down to it's almost a branding exercise, right? I think there is a a branding exercise to compete on an international stage for for investment. But I completely agree with Peter that um, just assuming that we have to kind of get out there and bang the drum um, is not going to be successful if local people don't back it. 
And we need to win those hearts and minds because ultimately the people who live there and the businesses that already operate there are our greatest advocates. And so for me, we've got to start local. We've got to get that right um, and tap into the civic pride and all of the good stories uh, around these areas and create that vision, uh, which will then allow us to go out with a really compelling story for, for investment. And coming at it from, from a grover and a wider investor perspective, we want as much certainty as possible that these things will happen and they will only happen with that local support. Of course. That idea, how do we how do we encourage local people to jump on board with this? I mean, I know the consultation that's going to be launched over the, the new vision is, of course, making a real push to bring voices that might not necessarily always be heard in the process into this. How do we how do we reach out to people who might normally might normally feel left out of a process like this and ensure that that their views, which may not always be be taken into account, are heard? It's a really uh, difficult, difficult question. I mean, I think actually one of the good things that has come out of the pandemic is all of us looking at better ways to engage um, and using more online, it not being a town hall meeting on a Tuesday night, uh, you know, when it's raining and that being the only opportunity for people to give their give their contributions. So I think there is using multiple platforms, but there's also trying to explain to people that their contribution can really make a difference at this stage. It, the plans are not fully baked. And so encouraging people to come forward and share their views, um, to be part of, of creating that vision. But we've got a real, you know, all of us who want to be part of this journey have got a lot to do in terms of uh, trying to get that trust of the community and, uh you know, it not be a diktat from national government. It seemed like a local movement. Gareth, you are setting up a new region, essentially for for countryside covering the arc. Tell us about the company's work in the region and, and what you're seeing in terms of supply and demand and, and opportunities that you as a business want to take advantage of. Yeah, I mean, our focus is is very much centred around that area that we're talking about today, the, the Milton Keynes, Bedford, Northampton, you know, Luton, all those areas in between the, the Cambridge and Oxfordshire that are already well developed, had well, you know, noted supplies of, of both housing and, and other supporting communities around there. So for us, it's around a region that's focused on delivery uh, of new housing, new communities in those areas. And coming to your point of how do we get those people on board, I think if they see the benefit of those new communities, the, the new infrastructure, the ability to be able to live in an environment that is growing and is successful and has opportunity, then, you know, we will gather that support and it will enable the, the area to continue to grow and, and, and be seen as a and recognised as a place that people want to live and want to settle and want to bring their families and, and work and, and live and, and enjoy the area. So. I think that community and driving the communities within those locations will be the key to, to getting it to be a success. And then the other addition to that for me would be the the infrastructure around it and uh, ensuring that the rail link is great. It's a shame that the road link is, is not developed in the same way, but um, there's already some strength there in, in, in the natural sort of road network, but the other infrastructure is important to bring along. 
Well, let's talk about that um, that issue of infrastructure and connectivity. Um, Alberto, you you obviously have a, a vested interest here with the airport, but but what do you see when you look across the region in terms of in terms of the strengths it has for connectivity, both regionally, you know, nationally and, and internationally, and what more work could be done to to strengthen that further? I mean, clearly, I would say that aviation uh, in general has always played a, a crucial role in the economy. I mean, and, and, and the, in, in this case in particular, at Luton Airport, I mean, in terms of supporting jobs, uh, facilitating trade and all that. Um, at Luton Airport, uh, I mean, prior to the pandemic, uh, we were already one of the top three hubs, let's say, for business aviation. I would say that we are the front door uh, for the region and, and a great driver of uh, inward uh, investment. Uh, but but clearly, I mean, the main barrier, I would say, is, is precisely talking about infrastructure, is about the connectivity in the region, especially east-west. And, so, uh, and also to provide that better and faster access into central London. Uh, so I, I think that, that that's an important aspect for us. I mean, the, the, the airport is a strong hub, I would say, for the ARC. Uh, and of course, it's keen to, to, to keep working, um, to track businesses and, and to boost the, the, the supply chain. But I believe that in order to make it happen, uh, connectivity and, and surface access is, uh, is an opportunity to, to put the focus on and, and keep you know, boosting that uh, contribution uh, because that, by extension, will help to attract businesses to 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 locate to the center of the Arct. So we are the, the airport of the of the area, and we are uh, centrally located there. And I think that could uh, create uh, that could be a great opportunity um, to 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 boost that um, aspect. Yeah, Peter, what's your take on? on the transport infrastructure in the region. And I noted in your bio that you have a goal of cycling while you're <laughs> chair of the enterprise partnership to all areas that, that you cover. So I feel like you know the roads well. Yes, I'm um, I'm, I'm cycling around Oxfordshire this uh, this this weekend. So uh, uh, heading in the west, the west end of the arc. Um, yeah, so clearly East West Rail is 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 absolutely critical. Um, and although, um, as was referred to earlier, the expressway between uh, Oxford and Milton Keynes isn't going to happen. There are infrastructure studies that are underway, which England's economic heartland are leading to look at um, uh, improvements to make sure that some of the bottlenecks that there are, the um, connectivity, the road connectivity between Bedford and Cambridge uh, is going to be significantly Im improved with the duelling of the 421. So we are going to see those significant improvements. Uh, but I think it's also important and the work on th that uh, England's economic heartland has done on transport in terms of more sustainable local options. There are really exciting things going on in Milton Keynes in terms of the use of autonomous vehicles, in terms of robotic ro robotic delivery. Um, and the area is a, a, a real um, honeypot of innovation in relation to mobility. A number of our universities, like Cranfield University, and of course, the Millbrook um, testing ground is a place where battery technologies and autonomous technologies are being tested uh, in the in the real world. Um, so it's not just that uh, the, the the innovation is going to be good for business; it's going to be good for the people of the area because the prototyping of these transport innovations can and will happen. But I think the key thing that links it to the bigger picture questions that you were asking about benefits for local people 
is that if there's a proper plan for growth in the arc, you know, we all know that growth is going to happen anyway. That's the natural force and the, the attractiveness of the economy here. But if it can be done holistically, thinking about the environmental, ec economic, mobility aspects all in all in one go, that will create the kind of growth that people will be more comfortable with because they'll be able to have an input to it. They'll be able to see the benefits. And it's going to be something which is for all of the communities. So inclusion and so for an area, uh, a place like Luton, you know, where there's significant amounts of poverty in pockets in, uh, in our other of our urban centres. So that holistic approach that uh, you know, where transport is absolutely one of the key things which needs to be thought about um, systemically, that's the kind of approach which I think we need to be selling as the reason for thinking about the arc in this coherent way. Rachel, Peter touched on sustainability there. Is there, is there a real opportunity for the ARC here to set an example of what a sustainable vision for the future looks like in, in mapping out a framework today? Absolutely, and an almost unrivaled opportunity here for a coordinated vision um, to establish and meet ambitious climate goals and uh, meet our zero carbon ambitions it's so rare that you have an opportunity to look at at an area on this um holistic level as as peter described and i think we would be missing an enormous opportunity not to take advantage of it um where do we need to see the arc competing with we've we've touched on the national picture and also the need to attract international investment. The, the competition for the ARC is clearly not simply the UK. Is is that fair, Peter? Uh, absolutely. Um, so some of the work that the National Infrastructure Commission did originally and some of the work that the CBI and others have done in relation to growth corridors around the world. I mean, I think it's, it, it's not unrealistic to think about comparisons with some of the key growth areas, particularly the, the technology related ones in the rest of the world. And this is where the relationship with Oxford and Cambridge is absolutely critical. So if you think of the relationship between uh, Harvard and MIT and, and the growth corridor in Boston and Massachusetts, you think about the relationship between Stan Stanford and Silicon Valley, it's right that we should be thinking with that level of ambition, the, the intellectual product of our great universities is equivalent to those in the in, in the US and some of the um, strongest growth areas in, in, in Europe and in and, and in East Asia. And that's absolutely an aspiration that we should be thinking about. And that relationship between ideas generation, prototyping, some elements of manufacturing, but not all of the things being manufactured in, in our area, and the skills that are needed, the blend of skills that are needed. We're increasingly seeing crossovers between, for instance, um, life sciences and AI or digital skills and uh, advanced advanced engineering. And our universities are generating those ideas. The area between Oxford and Cambridge has got the space and the attractive and relatively affordable places to live for those brilliant products and services to be taken to be to be taken to market. That's the cell which I think uh, Department of International Trade, um, local authorities, local enterprise partnerships should be banding together and we should be getting on and selling the area right now. In fact, I think if people in the area see the UK selling the ARC globally, that should make them proud. It will help to build the identity of the ARC and have a benefit back 
within the ARC to try and build more um, support. Because let's be honest about it, there isn't yet enough of a kind of public support for this region in the way that there is, for instance, the Northern Powerhouse in relation to the, le the, the levelling up agenda. And we absolutely need to, to build that, that um, uh, public support, but international promotion can play a big part in that. You touched there on um, on the interplay between between different sectors, and Alberto, you you mentioned earlier the the strength of the aviation cluster that's been that's been built up. What does that tell us about about the importance for the region of being able to draw together clusters of specific industries and have companies large and small supporting each other to to build a name for that sector with within the arc i mean what what ex, what example has aviation set us there or better yeah i think we can see that uh, in aviation in general as i said as i mentioned at the beginning but but clearly uh, i mean you see that uh, surrounding an airport there are greater examples um, i would say uh, businesses that uh, one i mean their sole motivation and decision to move is to locate their businesses uh, it, 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 I mean, the motivation is their the proximity to an airport. Uh, we can see that in the M4 uh, business cluster around Heathrow. Uh, we see that in, in Manchester area. So I think there's a, there's a great opportunity, of course, that, that to keep promoting uh, that element, that aspect by, well, I mentioned connectivity, sustainability has been made. I think the, the sustainability agenda needs to be uh, uh, central uh, going forward. Uh, there's a lot about uh, also um, behaviors in order to to promote that because that needs to start from from uh, uh, let's say uh, every single individual I would say to to promote that but of course there are opportunities there that would create uh, the necessary attraction uh, for businesses and for uh, let's say boosting the the economy in the region. Um, Gareth, as as a company that's looking to put money resources to work in the region at the moment, uh, do you see do you see the necessary level of cooperation between public and private sector? And what more, let's say, if there were asks for government as as a new vision for uh, for the arc is mapped out, what more would you would you like to see in terms of support that could help private sector businesses really grasp and make the most of the opportunities there? Uh, you know, I think as a provider of sort of sustainable communities and trying to deliver those in the lo in the area we're talking about, we need a, a spatial framework firstly to come into play and enable that to happen, to be able us to all compete on a on a on an even sort of level, um, and try and bring forward the the relevant sites and, and opportunities for both housing and businesses. Um, in a way that's supported and can be delivered. I think at the moment there are a lot of hurdles that we have to jump through to deliver very straightforward housing schemes. And if we're looking to develop that into far wider sustainable communities uh, that offer both uh, housing and employment and infrastructure, then there needs to be a, a, a huge level of support and guidance from, from central to, to enable that to happen. And, and perhaps a, an influence that governs a wider number of um, whether it be local authorities or or, or, or the or the actual um, counties themselves to to get that unification, get that agreement from a wider breadth of uh, of appeal for the geography. Otherwise, 
you know, it, it's not going to link up. It's not going to work if we've got individuals and individual authorities, local councils doing things in a different manner. Then, then it, it, it's not going to come forward in the way that we want to all see it. Rachel, would would you agree when um, when Gareth mentions those those hurdles that can get in the way of building communities? Yeah, I do agree. And I think also really importantly, the point from Gareth is that we're not just building kind of dormitory communities. We're trying to create um, places in their own, you know, successful places in their own right that all connect as part of this wider network. So bringing the employment opportunities is just as important as as creating the housing because we're not just looking for these little pockets and then everyone uh, getting in their cars and driving to to Oxford or Cambridge uh, every day. So, you know, the, the good thing is that those, those businesses are already there and we need to have a real focus around helping the businesses that are there grow. When they're growing, provide the space that they need to keep them in the area and use those great stories to to go out and attract other businesses so we can build up these these clusters and you know great to hear of Santander for example building their new 150 million uh, headquarters in in Milton Keynes let's take those stories and do more of them and leverage um, leverage the expertise that's coming out of the really entrepreneurial academic institutions that sit what are we seeing in terms of business space when we look at supply and demand? Peter, I wonder if you, you've just got some insights there into um, into what you're seeing in the office and corporate location markets. Um, I, th I think the strongest uh, demand is, uh, and I think people will be surprised, is in relation to logistics and, and, and warehousing. There's no question that the changes that we've had in the last 18 months have led to an even um, stronger demand in that market. I think it's fair to say that some of the consequences in terms of potentially headquarters moving out and Santander is a fantastic example of that from London. We haven't yet seen people being quite sure yet what their requirements are going to be. But I would I would expect that there will be continue to be more of a, of a move away from you know, the largest capital um, agglomerations and uh, either flexible space to enable people who are more homeworking but who want to to gather together which could be good for kind of uh, small market towns uh, but also um, the different the different kind of uh, facilities that are available in places like like Milton Keynes uh, in, in in Northampton um, I, I sit on the enterprise zone board for Northampton and then some really uh, exciting uh, shared working spaces for, for media and design and engineering businesses that uh, that we've been, that we've been investing in so I think there are some real opportunities to to, to, to rethink the employment opportunities in our um, town and city centers as well as some element of um, building new communities uh, in the way that um, we've been we've been hearing about with um, jobs and homes closer to each other with sustainable transport op um, uh, options built in it's a huge opportunity for the real estate industry. Does, does it feel like um, does it feel like the sector is is um, is ready to to grasp that? Is more attention being paid to let's say development opportunities, um, uh, sites that they may be able to take advantage of? I, I think so. At the moment, there's certainly um, a number of large sites that have perhaps been a bit dormant or or haven't. Mm. 
previously sort of seen as, as being the right location or whether it could be sustainable to develop those areas that are coming back to the market now and uh, and driving a lot more developer interest, um, both from housing, but also other employment and business uses. So I think the fact that those sites perhaps three, four, five, ten years ago were laying dormant and, and, and nothing that was happening with them that they're now having a lot of activity, whether it be around planning or, or, or just looking at how they fit into the local environment and how they could sustain a, a new community or, or, or a new business environment is great. And, and it's giving us from a house building um, and countryside, particularly from a, the, the placemaking piece, we're, we're very keen to sort of look at those and reconsider them and where possible bring them forward uh, as speedily as possible. Um, because there is definitely the demand for housing in this location. Um, it's been touched on that it's perhaps more affordable, but still very accessible. Well, th that's the type of housing that people are driving towards, and that's the type of communities that, that people are wanting to be part of. So let's try and enable it. And I as you think there's any oh. sorry. <laughs> All of us at once. We're really excited now. <laughs> I don't think there's any shortage of of capital there to to do these projects as well. So it really is about finding ways to link the money to the projects that are deliverable. And sorry, Peter, I, th I think you, you were going to jump in. As yeah, well. the observation I was going to make um, was that you know, we were hearing earlier about the, the different kind of digital engagement technique that um, government is using in relation to the consultation around the vision for the ARC spatial framework. And I think that's really interesting uh, in terms of the range of voices that, that should be heard from, uh, particularly in relation to the sensitive issue of house building and affordable affordable house building and particularly for younger people who are the ones who have been most excluded from the housing market in in recent years for their voice to be heard as well of course as people who have may have you know may already be established and have may have reservations about house building in terms of impact on exist on, on existing communities but uh, it, it's a very deliberate attempt through the consultation process to hear from a wider range of voices, not just people who would typically attend planning meetings or fill in kind of complicated, complicated long, long forms. It's designed to be as accessible as possible to get as diverse a range of responses as, as, as we can. I think just from our point of view, again, I'd add that, you know, certainly countryside partnerships as a business are looking at multi-tenure schemes where we're not just looking to drive housing for private sale. We're providing private rental sector homes as well as affordable um, and not just Section 106, but a, a additional affordable homes. So it's, it's a multi-tenure scheme that we utilise and that's what helped make the community um, and creates the community when you have those schemes that are tenure blind and, you know, give homes for everybody. Um, and that's the intention from a countryside point of view. I wanted to ask each of you for a final thought on what you think might be one of the more underappreciated opportunities in the centre of the arc. It, it's I, ideally, look, it could be geographical, it could be maybe uh, an opportunity in a particular sector, something that's been missed perhaps until now, but but that you think can still be grasped as, as the region sets out uh, a framework for growth. Alberto, could I pick on you first for a suggestion, please? Sure. I mean, there are really, yeah, some opportunities. I, I mentioned the, the, the connectivity, surface access, but I think more uh, 
um, I mean, another opportunity could be clearly uh, to keep working in, uh, I would say, partnership with government to, to develop innovation in, in what is the green economy, uh, like such as establishing the ARC as a center and testbed for innovation, new technologies, um, because this has also the potential to provide, I would say, new, new employment, skill opportunities. So, I mean, the, the currently the ARC possesses some of the best academic institutions in the world, and, you know, uh, with the uh, knowledge base. And in our case, we, we're partnered with uh, Cranfield. So I think offers unique opportunities there to work, uh, to work together on future, you know, shared challenges. Excellent. Gareth, some, some thoughts from you. I think there's an opportunity for, uh, for around the sort of energy side of things in uh, utilising the new forms of energy to help supply these new businesses, these new homes, these new locations. And uh, I think because of the geography of the area that we should be looking at a, a wide ranging schemes that, that can help assist in, in, in developing those areas from a um, an energy point of view um, and I think that's that's an opportunity that needs to be considered in the wider picture and pulled together as, as a wider picture rather than lots of individuals working at it in different locations I think yes. there's an opportunity to, to deliver it as a whole for the ARC. Peter your thoughts on on maybe an opportunity that's underappreciated at the moment but but shouldn't be for long? Okay well I, I, if I may I'm going to give you a couple it's about both economy and environment so my particular thing on the economy is the importance of human capital and skills. So the uh, exciting potential creation of a university of, in Milton Keynes MKU is definitely one that I would put absolutely at the top of the list. But alongside that, a green investment. You know, it could be the long wished for waterway between Milton Keynes and Bedford or a new forest or woodland area, a, a sort of free to roam area, which people think that's a fantastic thing that's been enabled by by the economic success that we're, that, that we're looking for. So I'd like something that's both economic and green. Excellent. And Rachel, last word over to you. I'd like to uh, to see this really as an opportunity for a coordinated effort to set a new global example from an environmental perspective. I think we have the foundations there to leverage the academic institutions and attract relevant businesses to create a cluster of of really innovative uh, technologies that can um, can then be used in in other places, and I'd like to see more of an emphasis on on taking advantage of that opportunity. I really like that all of you have an environmental and social thread running through running through those opportunities that you see. I think that that underlines really why why the new vision for the arc should can be so can be so inspiring and hopefully can set such a great example for I was going to say other parts of the country, but both that both that and the world. Absolutely. Well, look, I think uh, I think that's about all we have time for, but um, but thank you all so much for for joining us today. Um, I think I'm going to borrow a, another phrase of Rachel's from earlier. But as the arc looks to win hearts and minds, um, I think it sounds like I think it sounds like there's uh, a, a really a really clear clear plan being formed to do that. So I, I hope it's been a very inspiring inspiring program for our viewers. Thank you to our guests uh, from across today's programs.
thank you to Bidwells, Pinsent Masons and Countryside for their support of the event as well. And of course, thank you for watching. Bye for now. <laughs>